Glory to God. Thank you. Praise God. Let's just lift our hands and give God the glory. He deserves all the glory and all the praise, Father. You get all the glory for every good thing that will be done here today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just ask that you come in agreement with me. You know, the Bible says that utterance is affected by the hearers. Paul said, pray that utterance may be given so that I may boldly speak and that I could make known the mysteries of God. So you have a direct connection in what happens here today. You know, the Bible says, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. So I could say some things, but it's a matter of you drawing it out. It's a matter of you hearing with the, with the uh, hearing ear and a heart of faith. Amen? Amen. So, Father God, we come before you. We thank you, Father God, for your goodness, for your mercy, your faithfulness to us today. Father, thank you for waking us up. Thank you for another day of life. Lord, we thank you. You are much better to us than we deserve, Father. Thank you, Father. You have been so good to us, Father. Thank you, Lord. And, Father God, as we get ready to minister your word and to receive from you, Father God, we ask that you speak to us, speak to our hearts, Father God. Not of me, all of you, Father. We pray in the name of Jesus that hearts would be open and receptive, that we have ears to hear and eyes that would see what your spirit would say to us. Holy Spirit, have your way, have your say in the name of Jesus. Speak through me, use me, and in whatever way you would have me to be used. Lord, we love you, we honor you, and we thank you for every good thing that will be done here today. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So if you have your Bibles or your iPads or phone, I still use a Bible. Anybody else like me still use a Bible, paper, back Bible? I feel you can get, I can look at four different paragraphs at once instead of trying to scroll up and down. So that's, that's me. I'm old school that way, but y'all forgive me. <laughs> Turn to, uh, with me to Philippians 4, 6, please. Philippians 4, 6. Now this word, this word will change your life. This word has changed our lives. Um, but if you will receive it, you have to receive it. It will change your life if you receive it. So Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Everybody say, be made known, be known. unto God. It's very important that we remember that, that our requests are to be made known unto God. And as Paul is writing this to the Philippians, he goes on to talk about that no, no other church communicated with him concerning giving and receiving but the Philippians. And he goes on to say that their offering was received as an odor, sweet-smelling sacrifice to the Lord. And he goes on to say in verse 19, go to uh, verse 19, he says, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Say, my God, my God. Will, supply will supply all my need, all my need. According, to his riches. according to his riches. Whose riches? His riches? Now, his riches are limitless. His riches are endless, right? See, we, we need revelation. We need mind renewal in that because everything down here has a limit. Everything down here has an end, right? You know, you put gas in your car, it runs out, you got to fill it up again, you get groceries, you got to do it every week. Wouldn't it be nice if you could just shop one day your whole life 
You know, but even Jesus said, give us our daily bread, right? Pray that you get your daily bread. He didn't say, look, pray that you get bread one time and that's it, right? So everything down here has a limit. But our Father God, say, my Father, my father. Has, no limits. has no limits. He has no limits. We, like I said, we need mind renewal in that. You know, he's not like some chicken restaurants we may go to that you go there, you, you're expecting to get a good chicken sandwich, and they say, sorry, we're out. And they've been out for months, and I still haven't tried it yet, so <laughs> I'm kind of disappointed. You guys, th well, this is where Chick-fil-A is from, though, right? Yeah. Oh, okay, so, so you guys probably don't even care about that, but... I'm still a little disappointed about it. But he is not like that, right? You don't, you don't go to God. You don't make a request to him. You don't stand in line. and you, you pull up, and he goes, I'm sorry. I'm all out. You know, I just gave away the last provision for the person, the last healing, the last deliverance. Our Father God is not like that. He does not run out. He doesn't run out. He's limitless. Say, my Father God does not run out. You know, so one thing that we have to remember is it says, make your requests known to God. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people make their request, but they're not making it known to God. First of all, is it okay to make requests to the Lord? Does he, is he a good father? Does he want you to ask him for things? Is he limited by anything that you could ask him? Is it too big for him? I mean, is he bicycle good? If you were to ask him for a bicycle, is he good enough to do that for you? If you were to ask him for a car, is he good enough to get, get that car to you? If you were to ask him for a Ford, can he do that for you? What about a Cadillac? What about a Bentley? Okay, I'm just making sure that amens are staying there because some people choke on the goodness of God. Some people choke on how good God can be. But God is limitless. He's endless. Right? What is, put on uh, Psalms 23 up on the screen. Psalms 23, please. What does it say? You guys all know this verse, but it says, The Lord is my shepherd, so I might run out. Is that what it says? You might run out. I shall not want. That's right. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path. I'm sorry. I'm using the King James in case I didn't tell you. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup is barely full. My cup is a third, a fourth, no, runs over. Runs over. That's more than enough. That's more. It's spilling over. One translation, the, the, the complete English Bible says, you bathe my head in oil. My cup is so full, it spills over. That's more than enough. God wants you to have more than enough. He's endless. He, does, he is a more than enough father. Amen? Amen? See, man is limited. I am limited. So it would be foolish for you to look for, to me, to another man, because man is limited. When we talk about riches, we're talking about his ability, his resources, what he has, what he can do. He has plenty, right? So it would be foolish for you to get your eyes on a man, for you to look to man. You know, as, 
as your pastors, your pastor's main responsibility is to feed you the word of God. But it would be foolish for you to get your eyes on them for some natural things. It would be foolish for you to get your eyes on them to approve you, to meet your needs, because they are just man. And they are limited. They are limited in what they can do. So it would be foolish to get your eyes on them. But God is unlimited. And what he can do has no end, has no boundaries. Amen? Amen. So we want to make sure that we get our eyes on the Lord. You know, he, he's almighty. He's not limited by net your job. He's not limited by what you can do. He's not limited at all. So we know the Bible says in John 10, 10 that Jesus came, that we may have life and have it more abundantly, right? So are we supposed to just know that God is, has all this ability and that he has all this riches and, and abundance and we're not supposed to enjoy it? So what are the determining factors of how we can tap into what God can do for us? There's two determining factors. One is his, it's, it's going to be done according to his riches in connection with our faith. Okay? So say that. It's going to be according to his riches in connection with my faith. Now, now don't, it would be a mistake to think that you know this, okay? Because it's not about what you know. You know that, right? It's about what you're doing. The Bible doesn't say the knowers of the word are blessed. It says the doers of the word are blessed. They're the ones that are going to be blessed. Say, I'm a doer, not a hearer only. I mean, many Christians can spend their life in church for 30, 40, 50 years, know a lot of stuff in their head, but not be doing any of it. So what good is that? It means nothing if you're not going to do, be a doer of the word. Even, even Moses, turn, go to uh, Numbers 11 real quick. Numbers 11. Now Moses, he, um, he just, you know, he just delivered the people, or God used him, and uh, they're in the wilderness, and they've been eating manna, and they're getting tired of manna, so the people start to complain. They're like, oh, back in Egypt we had onions and garlic and fish and leeks and what could that isn't that a weird name for vegetable leeks honey can you pick up some leeks but anyway so the lord so moses began to cry out to the lord he said lord they're asking me for meat to eat all right and he says this in verse 18 the lord says this to him in the king james version tell the people consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow when you will eat meat the Lord heard you when you wailed, if only we had meat to eat, we were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat and you will eat it. You will not eat it for just one day or two days or five, ten or twenty days before a whole month until it comes out your nostrils and you loathe it. Because you have rejected the Lord who was among you and have wailed before him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? But Moses said, here am I. Among 600,000 men on foot, and you say, I will give them meat to eat for a whole month? Would they have enough if flocks and herds were slaughtered for them? Would they have enough if all the fish in the sea were caught for them? And this is what the Lord said. The Lord answered Moses, is the Lord's arm too short? Now you will see whether or not what I say will come true for you. Even Moses, all the miracles that he saw, all the, the, the ten plagues in Egypt, 
crossing the river. He, I mean, he's the Red Sea, he saw the water go up. They walked on dry land, manna fall from heaven. They saw, he saw a pillar of cloud by day and the fire by night. And after all that he saw God do, he questioned and looked at what he could do. He looked at his ability. He looked at what they had. And the Lord said, is my arm too short? One translation, the Amplified says, is the Lord's hand, ability, power limited? The, ink, the easy to read says, don't limit my power. The good news says, is there a limit to my power? What's the answer to that? See, it's easy to think we know this. It's real easy to think we know this. For the last several years of our lives, that has been our heart cry to become more dependent on the Lord, to know that he is God, not just here. I don't want to just live by other people's experiences. I don't want to live vicariously through some other minister, through some other man of God's life. I want to know for myself that he can take care of me, that he can provide for me. Now, we shout about that, and we amen that, but we, my wife and I were talking about that last night. It's not as easy on the flesh as you would like it to be. You know, we uh, stepped out to obey God several years, about five years ago. We moved from Milwaukee to Florida, where we are now, actually where you're, the area your pastor is in right now, ministering. And um, when we did that, there was a step of faith uprooting our family our children, I think our son was 14 at the time, and our daughter, uh, 11, 10 at the time. And uh, it was a step of faith for us to uproot the family, leave our family there, come down here. We were both working secular jobs at the time, and um, so we needed the income and things like that. And we are moving to an area where the cost of living was going to be higher than where we were. Housing was higher. Insurance is higher in Florida. There's... There's some crazy drivers down there, so um, that's just being nice. But anyway, in doing that and seeking the Lord about what we should do, we didn't know where we were going to work or anything like that. The, the Lord worked it out where my job said, hey, you can work from home. I was, praise God, glory to God, the Lord. He, he worked out a number of different things like that, and, and it just came together smoothly. It was a miracle, supernatural how we got down there. But one of the things he said was that he didn't want her to work. And in the natural, if I were to go to a financial expert, if I were to go to a counselor, now wait a, now wait a minute, the, you are supposed to work, okay? Everyone is supposed to work, okay? So this is not, you know, uh, justifying not working. <laughs> I mean, when he created Adam and Eve, he put them to work. Okay, he told them to keep their garden. So we are supposed to work. <laughs> but he told me specifically and her that she was not supposed to work. And so your mind, it, you know, we're at the same time we're believing God. We want to see God. We want the plan of God fulfilled in our lives, right? And so he said she's not to work. And so like I was getting ready to say, if you were to ask a financial expert, they would say, no, that's being foolish. That's real stupid. And it seemed like that. And your mind is screaming and you're thinking, what in the world? But the Lord said, do you trust me? Trust us. Trust me. And so we did. And looking back, um, I mean, I don't know how we made it. Sometimes it was just a miracle. Like it, things didn't run out. We never were behind. 
Because if the Lord tells you to do something, he's going to provide. If the Lord is in it, he's going to make a way. So, so we, um, and we come to find out that he wanted her to be involved with ministry things, and she was able to do that. And then he moved us on to the next thing. He said, and we, we're still involved with ministry, but he, he wanted, uh, he had another plan for us. He said, get involved with real estate and stuff like that. And she was able to do that. But if I had not done that, if we would have got scared and got afraid and looked at what we can do and, and got the calculator out and figured it out, I would have got boggled down. I would have said, no, this, this cannot work. This cannot work. Looking at what I can do, looking at my ability. But what, the, what did the Lord say? Don't limit my power. Is my arm too short? He is not limited by what I can do. And I, you know, we can limit God. The Bible says that they limited the Holy One of Israel, the first generation of Israelites. They limited God because they kept getting an unbelief. They kept looking at what they could do. They kept looking at what they could see in front of them. Even after all the miracles they saw, they continued to complain and limit God. And the Lord got upset with that generation. And you know the story. They did not go into his rest. They did not see the promised land because they limited. They got their eyes on man. See, you never want to get your eyes on man. You never want to get your eyes on government. Don't let politicians play you. Don't let them play us. They want you to be dependent on them. They want us. See, God never intended for another man to be your source. He never intended for another man to be your provider. He will use men. Don't get me wrong. He will use men, but it is not up to you to decide which man he should use. It is not up to us to decide who should we look to and who should be doing it. That's between them and God. And even if you think God is dealing with somebody to do something for you, that's when you should not say nothing to them at all about it. Many people play games in church. Many people play games when they need something. They, they yell and scream about how big God is in church and what he can do and how he can provide all my needs. But when it comes due on Monday and bills are due and pressures are mounting, they're looking for who they should call. They're looking for people that they know that have ability, that have resources. But that's looking to man, and that's not looking to the Lord. Many people are playing games. But it's up to us to remember that our eyes need to be fixed on the Lord. Our eyes need to look to him. As a minister, if I'm up here and I'm pulling on you for money and say, give, 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 because we need your money, you would say, no, that's not right, wouldn't you? Well, you're not supposed to do it either. We're all supposed to look to the Lord. We're all supposed to get our eyes on God. He is our source. He is all of our source. He's all of our providers, not just the minister, not just, you know, the person you know that has ability or wealth. He's all of our sources. You know, what, what's going on right now is you hear a lot of things about you know, you, you'll, people ask you, what does your church do? What are they doing for the poor? What are they doing for this? Your pastor's main responsibility is to preach the gospel. The great commission is to go into the all the world and preach the gospel. Yeah, we should do things for the poor, but that is not the great commission. That is not the number one thing. The number one thing is to preach the gospel. You know that we can 
send a million dollars to a starving child in India. But, but if we don't preach the gospel to them, what will happen when we leave? Are they all, are they have to, do they have to look to man all their lives and expect someone else to come and give them money? Someone else to give them food? Someone else to dig a well? Or what if they're taught to look to God for themselves? Yeah, bless them. Yeah, help them. But it's not only... See, God never intended for any man to be dependent on another man all their lives. Many have come against the so-called prosperity, the abundant gospel teaching. And yeah, in any, in any profession, you have people that get off, right? I mean, preachers, doctors, lawyers, in any profession. But that doesn't do away what, what is real. That doesn't do away what the truth says, right? I mean, he said to pray that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I mean, in heaven, there's no lack, right? In heaven, there's no poverty. He wants his will here, just like it is in heaven. Say, my Father God is not limited. And I'm only on the first page of my notes here. <laughs> this is like a seminar here, but I said... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I said we don't want to get our eyes on man. We want to make sure that we are looking to the Lord. Um, turn with me to 2 Chronicles 20, please. 2 Chronicles 20, please. And verse, uh, we'll go to verse 12, but this is about Jehoshaphat. You know, the armies were coming against him. He proclaimed the fast and they prayed. And he said this in verse 12. He said, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Whoever you look to during a crisis, whoever you look to during emergencies in your life, reveals who your faith is in. Man is limited. Man can only do so much. And you may think, I know I have a lot of connections. I know people that can do something. That person can die tomorrow. It's like the, it's like the man that uh, in the Bible in Luke 12, I believe, that he planted a, a vineyard. He planted a, 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 and he had so much fruit. He was like, man, I got so much harvest here that I don't know what I'll do. I'll take down these barns and I'll build bigger barns. And he, and he said, I'll, I'll eat and drink and be merry and I'll rest. The Lord said, you fool. Your soul can be required of you this night. So it would be foolish if we would have got our eyes on that man. On, it's foolish for him to get his eyes on what he has. On, because man can die. Man is limited. And just because they have a lot doesn't mean they're going to do anything for you. And that's why you never get your eyes on people. One thing that has helped me. My whole life, I remember in Bible school, me and Frankie, Pastor Frankie, one of the things that he is actually my, my pastor today, he said this, when it comes to people, expect nothing and appreciate everything. Don't get your eyes on people. Expect nothing. Presume that people should do anything for you. And now God will use people. Again, he will. He does use people. But he's not limited to that. He can, he can bring your, your provision from the sky Amen. through ravens. He's done it before, right? Amen. 
So you have to have the mindset that no matter what is going on, if no one obeys God, he will do something. He will get what he needs to me some way, somehow. It is not for me to worry about. Right? Isn't that what it said? Uh, be careful for nothing. That means don't worry, don't have anxiety, don't fret. You're casting all your cares upon him, and you let your requests be made known to God. You, you go to him, and he will supply all your needs. He will, this is not just financial needs. He'll supply your emotional needs. Any need. You don't have to look to one another. You don't have to look. If you're married, who's married in here? Okay, a good amount of me. Well, for the married folks and for those that are going to get married, you don't have to look to your spouse to meet your needs. I'll say that again. You don't have to look to your spouse to meet your needs. The reason why I'm pausing there is because people think I made this mistake. We made this mistake. Getting my eyes on what she's supposed to do and her getting her eyes on me. The, the Bible says husbands love your... Who's it talking to? Husbands. So that means the wives shouldn't even be listening at that point. It says husbands love your wives. And then it says wives submit to your husband. So that is not for me to tell her what to do. So even if I think she's supposed to be doing something, I go to the Lord. I make my request known to the Lord. I'm looking to him. He's my source. And you know what I found out is a lot of times is that you can be trying to force something and trying to ask for something and pressuring them to do something. And the, you just forget all that, go to the Lord, get in faith with God, and he works in you so that you're not so needy anymore, so that you're not so demanding. You know, people cannot give you anything that they don't have. People cannot give you something that they do not receive from the Lord. Anything that somebody can give you, they got from God. Right? Anything. So it's foolish to look to them. You might as well bypass them and go to the Lord. Because what they're getting, getting to you came directly from the Lord anyway. You know, we, we, we made that mistake. And, and sometimes, you know what, you mess up things. Because who, who's ever had God work with him about something, deal with you about something you need, to, all of us, right? The Lord has dealt with you about something you need to change in your life, you need to correct, right? Well, then if he's dealing with you and then somebody comes and says something out of anger and frustration, it, mess, it can mess things up. You know, in the husband and wife relationship, I know I made this mistake. And I'm not saying that I've arrived at Christ-like perfection. I'm not saying that. But the Lord can be dealing with your spouse about something. And you know it's something that they should be doing. And if you get frustrated and go to them and say, well, you need to be doing this. Well, now what happens is it muddies the water. Now they're thinking, well, maybe I, I thought God was dealing with me. But now I just think it's just them being frustrated. It's, that's what I'm sensing. See, we can mess things up. We let the Lord deal with people. We let the Lord deal with men. We don't pull on people. We don't put pressure on people for what they should do for us and how they should meet our needs. We look to the Lord. We get our eyes on him. Amen? Um, go with me to, uh, uh, I can't, for sake of time here. 
Go to Jeremiah 17.5. Jeremiah 17.5. It says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm. That's talking about strength. You're looking to a man. And whose heart departs from the Lord. Remember that phrase, departs from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness and a salt land and not inhabited. Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope. Hope has to do with you confidently expecting, you looking to the Lord. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters and that spreads out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat comes. But her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought. Neither shall cease from yielding fruit. So you see there's two different individuals here. There's one person, they're looking at flesh. They're looking at the strength of human, of mortal man. And because of that, they don't see the good. They don't see what God's doing. But the person that gets their eyes on the Lord, the person that continues with him, they don't run out. You see that? Their leaf shall be green. I mean, they don't even notice the drought. So we got to get our eyes on the Lord and we'll not run out. In Hebrews 3, 7, it says this. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost says today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Everybody say, harden not your hearts. As in the provocation. The provocation is he, the Lord called it provoking. That first generation of Israelites, they provoked him to anger. In the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works 40 years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err in their heart. And they have not known my way, so I swore my wrath. They should not enter into my rest. Take heed. So we need to pay attention to this. Brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. An evil heart of unbelief. What is unbelief? It's when you're walking by sight, right? You're not putting your faith in the Lord. Your eyes are not looking at him. You're looking at something else. You're looking at the symptoms. You're doubting, right? It says, in departing from the living God. Remember, we just heard that phrase, departing. When you get your eyes on man, on what you can do, you are literally turning from God. And you are making somebody else your source, your supplier, your provider. You are turning from God. And you cannot, you are cutting yourself off, actually, from the grace of God. You are cutting yourself off. Remember the, the, uh, the unforgiving servant that he, his Lord, his master, brought them together, brought him and reckon, wanted to reckon the accounts. And he said, give me some more time. Be patient with me, and I'll give you what I owe you. You guys remember that story? And the, his Lord forgave him, right? Forgave him all the debt. But what did he do? He went out, found someone that owed him a small amount, a very small amount. And he said, give me what you owe me. And the same thing happened. That His servant said, be patient with me, and I'll give it to you. He wasn't patient with him, was he? No, he wasn't patient. And he demanded and threw, you know, threw the guy in prison. And his master found out what happened and was wroth. He was upset. The Bible says in that 
story that this is how the kingdom of God works. This is not Old Testament kingdom of God. Jesus is speaking. And he said, uh, he reinstated the guy's debt, threw him in prison. Now he's locked up. Can he prosper in that situation? No. He cut himself off from the grace of God when he started to demand from somebody else. When he started to look to another man. He just received a miracle and went out. That's why I said, don't think you know this. Because it is all too easy to get your eyes on another person and what they should do for you. It is all too easy to start looking at man. Never get your eyes on I man. Never get in your mind what you think somebody owes you. Never get in your mind what you cut yourself off from the grace of God when you think that somebody owes you something. This is government. This is races, tribes. Never get your eyes on other people and demand that they do something. You can cut yourself off from the miraculous. You can limit God in your life because you are looking to somebody else. We're not going to do that, amen? amen? We're not going to look to another man. We are coming up. Who wants to come up to another level amen. and seeing God move in your life? Yeah. This church, in order for this church, when I'm talking about this church, you are the church. I'm not just talking about this building. You're the church. Yeah. For you guys to come up and go to the next level, it's going to be you getting your eyes off a man and putting your eyes on the Lord. Not looking and demanding what somebody else should do, but looking at what the Lord will do and can do. Amen? Amen. I'm going to read a couple scriptures as my time is winding down here. You guys getting anything out of this? Yes. Man, there's so much good stuff here. I got like five days worth of material here. All right. Psalms 27 says this. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. If you, if you look that up, that's just not talking about a passive waiting, sitting by. That's, that's looking to the Lord. You're expecting. He can do it. God can come through. He can do this for me. He can do this for us. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You know, Teach your kids as soon as they can understand the things of God to don't look to mom and dad. Look to the Lord. And this is not whether you can afford it or not. This is teaching them to look to God, teaching them to not be dependent on a man. You know, the Lord helped us see this, and we've done this with our children. They um, just, I don't know, not too long ago, they wanted, I don't know, five or six years ago, they wanted a dog. And they were, so we told them, you know, believe God for a dog. We have what we call vision list, where we write some things down that we're believing God for, believing God to do, believing God to use us to do, to give, to sow certain amounts. You know, you have to use your faith at something. People are playing games in church. They think that we're going to believe God for a whole city, but they can't believe God for a pair of shoes. You got to start somewhere. Faith. We go from faith to faith and glory to glory. Amen. Your faith has to be developed. And so we told the kids, believe God for a dog. Well, the dog came in. And we, we weren't sure if we were quite ready. I mean, we wanted a dog, but we weren't sure if we were ready yet. But when the Lord brought it in, what are you going to do? So it's, okay, praise God. The same thing happened our son when he turned 16. You know, 
any 16-year-old boy, they want a car, right? He wanted a car. He wanted a sports car. Well, we, we told him, hey, you know what to do. Believe God. Believe God for the vehicle. So he, he started putting his faith on it, and um, money started, people started giving him money, $100 here, $100 there, $50, and say, hey, this is for your car. He didn't tell anybody, you know, necessarily go around saying, hey, everyone, I'm believing for a car. So to me. No, he didn't do anything like that. But he was looking to the Lord, believing God. And um, so people start. he had some money that he saved up. And we had, we didn't tell him this, but we had some money that we were going to sow into him, give to him. But we didn't tell him that. And uh, one day I get a check in the mail. I go to the mailbox and I open it up. It's a check for $500. And I said, what's this for? And it, I called the individual. I said, hey, uh, man, what's this? I haven't talked to him. I don't remember when I talked to him, but it was a while. And so it was very unexpected. I called him. He said, I don't know, but is there somebody believing for a car or something like that? I was like, uh, yeah, actually, our son is believing for a car. And he's like, well, that's for him. So we started looking for a vehicle. It's not, it's not done yet. It's not done. We started looking for a vehicle, and we found one that we thought might work for him, but it just didn't have a witness about it. I just had a check about it. But it, had, it was a sports car, which he wanted, which he was believing God for. He really wanted it. But I, I told him, son, I don't know. I'm just not getting the green light on this. And so he had to wait. A few months passed. Say a few months. A few months. Now, when you're believing God for something, your faith is tested when time goes by. And so he had to continue believing the Lord. And uh, so we would look every now and then. Well, a few months passed, and I get a, a text from that individual. I, I told him, hey, I'll keep you posted. I'll send you pictures of the car when we get it, you know, and we prayed over his seed and believed with him for a harvest. And he said, hey, did you guys, did your son find a car yet? Did you guys find a car? I was like, no, no, but I'll let you know as soon as we do, you know. He said, okay, great, because my wife and I want to sow another 5000 towards it. Glory to God. I said, uh, I said, wait a minute. I, t I texted him back. I said, did you mean 500? I said, is this a typo? Because he said another, so I thought maybe it was a typo. He said, no. He wrote, he spelled it out, 5,000. How many know to a 16-year-old boy, to an adult, another 5,000? Another 5,000 instantly puts you at another level of vehicle, right? <laughs> And so I told my son, we praise the Lord. He got himself a, a Mustang. And he's, I mean, he was driving in style. He was driving in style. But what that does for him, that builds his confidence, his faith. That mommy and daddy didn't do it. The Lord did it. The Lord is his provider. The Lord is his source. He don't have to look to us. And, and that's, we can, there's other stories my wife and I can tell you that have happened just that way, different things, different occasions, and it's us looking to the Lord, but it's not always easy on the flesh. It's not easy on your mind, because your mind is, your mind and the enemy, they're telling you, no, it's not going to work that way. You're crazy. That's stupid. But if you know what the Lord said, if you know the Lord told you that if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. The, the psalmist said, I've been young and I've been old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken, 
nor his seed begging for bread. You don't got to beg anybody. You don't got to be panhandling out there for anything. You look to the Lord. He's your source. He's your provider. This is not just hyperbole. This is not preacher rhetoric. This is real to us. You get your eyes on him. Get your eyes on the Lord. It says this, and I'll end with this scripture. Which one, Lord? <laughs> it says this in Psalms 118. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Princes are someone that could do something for you. Princes are people that have ability. The Lord said it's better to trust in me than in them. It's better to look to me than to them because they're limited. Isaiah 40, 26, lift up your eyes on high and behold who hath created these things that brings out their host by number. He caused them all by name, by the greatness of his might, for that is he is strong in power. Not one fails. Anyone who believes in him, Romans 10, 11 says, will never be put to shame. You believe God, you look to him, man could disappoint you. It's tormenting to look to man. To have to depend on man all your life. To have to wait for them to come through. But you don't, but you get your eyes on God. It frees you. It frees you up. It brings liberty when you know God is my source. God will take care of me. Stand up with me, please. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. We need to, we need to go to the Lord and if this, if you're serious about this, let's repent for ever getting our eyes on man. Because at one point, one time or another, we all have done this. We all have gotten our eyes on man, whether it's our spouse, whether it's our boss at work. You don't have to play the games of the world. You don't, the world plays games. The world looks to man. One thing that I wrote down years ago. It's been about 12 years or so. I wrote down, I was in a time where I was financially in a bad situation. I was in real estate and that was my full-time job and there was a crash. And you know, everything is saying, this is crazy, this is nuts. But I wrote down, I will never be a slave to this world system. We don't have to do things the way of the world. Yeah, you're supposed to work and do things like that. I'm not saying that. But you don't have to do things to flatter people, to try to buddy up to people and connect with people. You don't have to go to the person you think that has a lot of money in your church and say, oh, God, you know my bills are due. And looking at them to see if they're hearing you. No, you don't have to do that. You look to the Lord. You get your eyes off a man and you get them on the Lord. Say this. If you mean it, say, Father God, forgive me for ever putting my eyes on a man. They're not my provider. They're not my source. I look to you, Lord. I look to you, my good Father. You are my source. You supply all my needs. It's according to your ability. 
Not what I can do. I get my eyes off a man. And I put them on you, Lord. I look to you, Lord. You have never failed me. And you never will. Thank you, my good father. Just lift your hands and worship him for a little bit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You are our source. You are our provider. We put our eyes on you, Lord. We look to you, Lord. No man died for us. No man is our savior. You, Lord, our provider. You, Lord, are a healer. You are our source. Thank you, Lord. 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 Let's say this. If you're married, I want you to say this if you mean it. Say, Father God, forgive me for ever putting pressure on my spouse. That is not right. You are the one that deals with hearts. Not me. Forgive me for getting in your way. I make a decision of my faith and of my will to stop. I will look to you for what I need because you supply all my needs. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this message has encouraged you today. For more information on our ministry or to donate, visit onewayministries.net.